0: Welcome to Unchained TV, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and the founder of the Unchained TV free streaming network, Jane Velez Mitchell. You're about to hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your health, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell.
1: I am so Honored to be with so many change makers here today fighting discrimination against vegans. Yes, it exists. I can tell you I've experienced it myself. Anybody who's plant based can tell you they've had that experience of being treated differently or less than because of our compassionate stance. It's often described just as a mere food preference, but it is actually a creed a belief system, akin to a religion. And that's what people are going to court to prove. I want to go straight out to Jerry Friedman, who is a well-known attorney in California. Tell us what the essential argument is, Jerry, those who would say, eh, it's just a food preference.
2: Well, so many vegans, uh, Veganism operates as, as our creed, as you said. It, it operates exactly how we should regard ourselves with other animals and even other people, but particularly other animals, to say that we should not hurt them. Uh, we should it's it's a it is a nonviolent philosophy that says we can all coexist on this planet together.
1: Well, here's the thing: people are now having to go to court. We're leaving the names of the institutions that are being sued are the companies that are being sued, but check this one out. It's really, really fascinating. And the way the New York Post describes it, even the headline really minimizes and almost tries to make a comical issue out of this. Firefighter says human rights were violated over lack of vegan food at blaze. And you can see just in the way they write that headline how they're kind of making fun of it. No, it wasn't that a firefighter wanted to have, oh, uh, catered food, vegan food at a blaze. It was far more serious than that. It was somebody who was fighting um, to save lives and putting their own life at risk. And day after day, according to the allegations, uh, he wasn't given food, sustenance, and essentially, according to the allegations, was told—and this was happening in Canada—you know, go fight the fire uh, on zero calories day after day. Don't be, don't be a pain in the tookus So, Dr. Rowley, um, tell us why it's such a serious issue, and why demeaning it, and dismissing it, and making fun of it is sort of compounding the hurt.
3: Yes, um, it's a very serious issue. Um, and the reason for this is down to the human right to freedom of thought, conscience, and religion. And that's a long title. It's it's commonly reduced to freedom of belief or freedom of conscience. And freedom of conscience is one of our most important human rights. Um, and the Human Rights Committee have, have already stated that the right to freedom of conscience is far-reaching and profound. It includes uh, new beliefs, emerging beliefs, um, and certainly it includes beliefs with a dietary element. So given the fact that it's one of our most important human rights and states have got a duty to make sure we have access to to our rights, then anybody who works for a state body shouldn't be denied um, food that aligns with their ethical uh, convictions.
1: So we have with us today from France, a woman who wanted to go to culinary school and wanted to become a chef and we're leaving the school out of it. But she says she was discriminated against because she just didn't want to participate in killing animals while she was being trained to be a chef. Correct me if I'm wrong, Astrid. Um, We're so delighted to have Astrid Provost, a plaintiff alleging discrimination here from France Tell us your story. What happened?
4: Thank you very much, Jane. Well, first of all, it's not exactly a chef school. Uh, it's to become a dietitian, uh, but in this program for the the official French degree, there is a cooking class. And for uh, this cooking class, I asked for um, for a special uh, special thing for a special arrangement. I asked to cook without animal products, and I was ready to to make the same recipes as uh, as everybody else. But just, I said, give me vegan ingredients. I can do whatever you want, but vegan. And first thing, it was accepted. And then I was denied cooking vegan recipes. So that's why I brought my case to court, especially because it put me in a huge amount of stress because... I'm also a former bulimic, and actually um, becoming vegan really helped me in my journey to overcome bulimia. So this was absolutely terrible, actually.
1: So my understanding is, correct me if I'm wrong, you offered to do exactly what everybody else was doing using vegan alternatives. Because we know at Unchained TV, every single thing that you can make with animal parts, you can make without animal parts. And there's vegan ribs, there's vegan bacon, there's vegan sausage, there's vegan butter, there's vegan milk, obviously. So you had offered to them, Astrid, um, solutions, workarounds so that you could still participate. And despite that, they said,
4: no, no. Yes, exactly. They refused me the right to cook with vegan ingredients. They just said that this was not possible because it was not in the um, in the paper organizing the exam. But, you know, papers can change. So that's why I decided to go to court anyway and to bring this case um, confronting the educational system.
1: Where is the case at this point? Where does it stand?
4: For now, it's uh, still pending. Um, it takes a long time. My uh, my attorney told me that it could take up to 12 to 14 months, and I brought the case in front of the justice in early August, so I think it's going to take some time still.
1: And what's been the emotional toll for you?
4: Well, honestly, it has been quite difficult. Um First of all, I really didn't know what to do. Well, at first, I even quitted the um, the, the the degree, the, the program, because of this, because I saw no solution. Finally, I decided to go back and tackle this degree because it's so important for my career if I want to work uh, in collective catering, for example, and change things really from the inside. But the first year, it was tremendously stressing me out, so I went back for some time into bulimia. And then last year, I just couldn't study this, uh, this topic because it was so stressing to see just the names of animal ingredients and knowing that it would be so difficult for me on the day of the exam. I just, know, I just knew that I, didn't, I wouldn't cook with animal products, but I didn't know what to do. So yeah, that's what happened.
1: So tell me the moment where you decided, hey, I'm going to court. Like what was that as I said, every vegan has experienced discrimination, but there's varying amounts. Yours is a very specific case. What was that moment? What happened when you said, enough, this is morally wrong. I'm going to stop apologizing for being on the right side of history and I'm going to sue.
4: Well, honestly, it's, it was right before the exam because I got the refusal note just right before the exam, like some only some days before it. And it was really, really upsetting. I didn't know what to do and I was afraid, you know, to put myself in a bad light and to, you know, like make some waves and everything. But at one point I thought, okay, this is why I did, I wanted to, to take this degree. I wanted to take this exam. This is why I'm here. It's to make things progress. It's to make vegans' rights progress, animals' rights progress. So. I thought to myself, okay, maybe it's going to take me one year more to get this degree, but I want to go to court.
1: I think you're a hero. Uh, I think you are creating change. And the irony of all of this is that <laughs> the way to improve your health, and she wants to be a dietitian, is to go plant-based. Uh, the National Institutes of Health says 70 a huge percentage. The overwhelming majority of the public is lac- has lactose malabsorption. That means they're allergic to dairy products, which is obviously an essential uh, ingredient if you're eating meat and dairy. Um, processed meat, which is how most people consume a large percentage of meat, is officially cancer-causing. They don't talk about this. But to be a good dietitian would be to show people that there's an alternative to eating animals. And yet they're blocking you from even becoming a dietitian. If you don't um, agree to use body parts of animals and their excretions in your class. And, you know, people are commenting, the amount of discrimination, even how you need to cook, it's disgusting and unconstitutional. So you're in France. It's a slightly different situation than the United States in terms of laws. Do you think you're going to win, Astrid?
4: I think there's a good chance I can win. Uh, we reviewed uh, what my lawyer uh, brought to the, to the justice system and actually I think he worked really well. Well, first of all, I gave him all the, um, all the elements and then he brought it in a very nice way, in a l- perfect legal way. And also the only argument on the other side is saying that it is not written in this paper, organizing the exams, that it could be adapted. But that's not, I mean, that's not, that's not even a thing. So, yeah, I think I think we can win. And also my lawyer found some procedural uh, mistake they made. So I really hope so.
1: I hope you're going for damages. So um, we've got some callers. Um, Michelle in Los Angeles, your question or thought for our panel fighting discrimination against vegans.
5: I think this is incredibly horrible, these stories from Canada and from France. I I just wonder, I I know I've been experiencing discrimination a lot my, for the decades I've been vegan, Um, what are your organizations doing, what are the steps that you're taking to help all of these different claims?
1: Well, that's a good question. Your case is a specific case, but in general, is there a general campaign? And I'm going to go to Tamara Bedek, who is um esteemed attorney in this field. Is there an overall campaign to improve rights in general, or do you have to wait for a court case to establish case law, Tamara?
5: You have to wait for, uh, for case law now. Um, there have been some decisions here in the U.S., including Jerry's um, and subsequent decisions. And it looks like in the U S the battle is going to be about whether ethical veganism is a religion or, and whether it has all of the elements of a religion. And to some extent, this is even a spurious argument because there have been including a Supreme court case where atheists who held on to a creed? In this case, two atheists who did not want to go to the Vietnam War in a combat capacity. They requested, they requested the military to uh, give them some sort of um, to, to to assist them. They they weren't against. Particularly being in the military, but they just didn't want to be in combat operations. So they wanted to be um, assisted. And the case went up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, yes, even though these two men are atheists, they have this very strong belief in pacifism, and pacifism is their creed. So since that's the case, it seems to me, and Jerry could jump in if if he disagrees, it seems to me, that there is sufficient underlying uh, precedence to accept ethical veganism as a creed that would be protected in our entire country. Unfortunately, that case has not yet been heard, and that decision has not come down yet.
1: Well, there's so much to unpack there. But first, I want to go to a caller, uh, Nilo Farr in Dallas, Texas. Your question or thought for our panel fighting discrimination against vegans?
4: Uh, I have a general question. Uh, What is the absolute biggest challenge that you have observed faced by vegans globally?
1: It is the UK, Australia, Canada, Germany, Sweden, Israel, and the US in terms of discrimination. Good question. I mean, it seems like workplace discrimination. Um, if you include going going to school to become a dietitian as workplace, but work and school, what what is where is it happening the most? This discrimination against vegans, Jerry.
2: The biggest problem is uh, in schools. Actually, you have these young children who are very conscientious and they don't want to uh, suffer. They, they don't want animals to suffer, and the schools will not support their vegan diet. Uh, sometimes they'll be tormented uh, by students and even by teachers sometimes because they have a vegan. Uh, vegan beliefs uh, so that's that's the largest issue. We have children who are very empathetic, and the schools part of the government uh, are oppressing them
1: and what about the what we just discussed a second ago that we have to possibly go all the way up to the Supreme Court here in the United States to establish veganism as a creed, just as the pacifists who refused to fight in the Vietnam War but were really willing to go there as in some other capacity other than combat, they got their pacifism established as a creed, if I understand Tamara correctly. How do we get veganism established as a creed? And does that mean the same thing as a protected class, Jerry?
2: Yeah, that the, Tamara said it right. So the, the two people in, the two soldiers in Vietnam, they wanted to be medics instead of soldiers, and the U.S. Army resisted, and that went up to the Supreme Court. Uh, and then the Supreme Court said that uh, essentially their their atheism does not disqualify them from religious protection. And so we would need a a case similar to that. There are cases like that throughout the United States, and the way that these laws are established in the courts is that there has to be a constant battle going up to the Supreme Court. So somebody has to lose at the trial level, somebody has to appeal, and somebody has to appeal again to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court has to hear the case. So until that case comes about, keep having these skirmishes in the lower courts and hopefully someday the Supreme court will recognize we're not in a theocracy. There is not one definition of a religion, but that creed, the creed of veganism is worth protecting as a protected class.
1: Wow. So this is so interesting to me. And probably the gentleman who is going to write the news story for Unchained TV about this interview. And that is Jordi Casamajana ethical vegan. And when I was interviewing him on this very podcast, um, he was talking about how he successfully sued to make veganism a protected class in the United Kingdom. And he wrote a book about it called Ethical Vegan, which I have right here. And uh, I was so impressed with his story Uh, he's now a writer for Unchained TV, and we're very honored and proud to have him. Um, He sued and said, you have to respect my veganism. It is akin to a religion. So where does that stand? Um, Tamara, do you know about this case? And can you tell us What impact it had in the United Kingdom, because according to Jordy, he said, you know, it wasn't just a victory for him. All of a sudden, human resources departments at big corporations all around the United Kingdom were like, well, we're having a corporate wide event. We've got to provide vegan options because there's going to be vegans there.
5: Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's a wonderful victory. And it happened about three years ago now. And um, Jordi and Jordi Casimicciana and his solicitor, Peter Daly, are well known for this and loved for this. Um, They really received incredible media attention um, in I think it was January when this finally came out in 2020. And the decision really echoed throughout Great Britain. And you're right, Jane. Lots of different corporations sat up and took notice and indeed changed the way they cater. So in the UK, this fight was won um, in the continental, uh, the, the continent of, of Europe, not yet, but there is hope. And in the US, not yet, but we continue the struggle here too.
1: It strikes me as an upside down world and I love I've got to go back to Jerry on this, where you have to lose a case to win in the end. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, You want to go to court to win a case. You don't want to lose. But I keep hearing this over and over again. Uh, Right now, we're covering a case of uh, uh, a former constitutional law professor, Wayne Shung, who is being put on trial in Sonoma County, California, for alleged uh, conspiracy to trespass by organizing people who committed uh, an open rescue, taking out suffering animals from some factory farms. Um, there's a, an idea that you got to lose in order to win. No. Uh, who wants to go to jail, for example? That's a criminal case. But even in a civil case, nobody wants to lose. And yet, I keep hearing over and over again that sometimes you got to lose in order to win down the road. Can you break it down for us non-lawyers, Jerry? What does it mean?
2: Yeah, so what, what you say is kind of the like conventional wisdom, but it's not entirely correct. So somebody could, a vegan could win their case at trial, and the uh, the government can be upset about that and appeal it, and they could lose again on the appeal. Uh, And then there's a second appeal. So the government can appeal a second time and lose the second appeal. So the government uh, could, in, in essence, make that case law for us. And so we don't have to lose it all. But the government will tend not to do that because exactly for that reason, they don't want that precedent. And so they're not going to appeal and appeal again and risk having that law there. And so if it happens the other way, if I brought a case and if I lost a trial and then I appealed, and I lost again, and I appealed again, Then I'm the one who controls getting that case on the books, but I have to lose in order to win at the end.
1: Say that again. That is, it's hard to absorb the first time around.
2: Uh, so it, either side, either whoever loses can appeal. And so the government, if I'm suing the government, the government can lose and lose again and lose again, and then we get that case law that we want. So I don't have to lose at all. But the government is not going to risk making a case law like that. And it's that case law that we vegans want to protect us. And so if the if the argument was switched, if I'm losing and I lose again and I lose again, and I get that final decision in my favor, that's the that's what you described that you have to lose to win. I have to lose and lose and lose in order to win at the very end and get that case law that we want to protect us.
1: But what if you win the first time around? What if, for example, Astrid... I know we're talking about different countries and different laws, but
6: sure.
2: Uh,
1: in, in the United States, let's say Astra was in the United States and the same thing was happening. And let's say she won. Would that mean that's not any case law? That's just she won,
2: period. If she wins, it is going to be case law just for that local district. So for example, oh. I'll use very generally, if she won in Orange County or if she won in Los Angeles, her case would be precedent just for the Orange County and Los Angeles area. And then she would have to appeal again. I'm sorry, the loser would appeal. And that would be case law for the larger district, say California. And then you appeal in a last time, and that would be to the U.S. Supreme Court. And then that would be case law for the whole country. There's a lot of legal ins and outs. I'm not saying this correctly, but that's that's the idea behind it.
1: Wow, so complicated. And hats off to Jordy for achieving what seems to be almost an impossible task The United Kingdom is obviously one of the most influential um, places in the world to make veganism a protected class in the United Kingdom. Way to go, Jordi Casimajana. Now, um, let's talk a little bit, and it makes sense now when you said um, if it's a local lawsuit, because there's federal lawsuits that are also filed. So I want to talk about a case that happened here in the United States Uh, And you got to see this interaction. This is a vegan activist who is leafleting in um, Utah when a law enforcement officer tries to stop him. And this has gone viral. It's gotten approximately at least three million views. And then we're going to discuss what happened on the other side.
6: You have to have a permit. Permit uh, for a sidewalk? Let me get my camera on too. Sure. Okay. You're not. This is not a good look. look. You're not. Du- you're not to be spread. This is it. not a good look. You're not supposed to be down here. This is public property. You're not to be down here doing this. Do you realize? Do you realize that your, your company, caused a problem in our community? Do you have anything relevant to say to me? Yes, I do. Okay. I've asked you to stop. Okay, I'm on public property. You need to stop. Okay. You need to stop. If you realize you're not wanted in this community and you've been asked to leave? I don't care. I know you don't care. That's the problem with your group. You just don't care about people or anybody. Do you understand? You've been asked to leave. All of this for handing out some flyers. This is how much well, all is Because All of this because your we're, we're group has, has been a direct influence on shutting down Smithfield Foods. You don't realize that's the major employer in our county?
0: You don't think I know lot, that?
6: There's a lot of people that have lost their jobs. And you come into this community and pour salt into the wounds of the people that have lost their jobs. Not okay. the intent You need to stand well. I don't care what the intent is, what you're doing is causing a disturbance in the community. I'm not and trying yes. to cause a disturbance. Oh, well, I'm just you trying are. to have conversations okay. with people. And if people don't want to talk with me, I say thanks okay. for your time and okay. on, and on with your day. Right. Okay. I'm gonna stand right here and I'm gonna tell people not to talk to you. Then fine, do that. Okay. This is great content for us. Absolutely ridiculous. This is, oh, is this ridiculous? is very anti-free speech.
1: There's a comical element to it as well. Well, here's what happened. Curtis Vollmer, the person who is holding the camera and trying to leaflet, was actually found guilty of criminal trespassing and disorderly conduct at the Beaver Pioneer Day event. But he then was among five plaintiffs who filed a federal civil rights lawsuit against the county and the county ended up settling, okay, for $52,000. So Beaver County agreed to settle the federal civil rights lawsuit. So that's a fascinating case because he lost on the criminal side, but then he filed a federal civil rights lawsuit. And obviously it was a very strong case because the county settled. And we understand that that Video has also been shown to other law enforcement communities and agencies like, don't do this. So um, I find it really, really interesting how you have federal uh, criminal cases and uh, civil lawsuits. And you, Jerry, explained why he did the federal civil lawsuit. And I got to go back to you on that because it was what you were saying. You don't want just a victory in a local community in a small town in uh, the middle of, you know, America.
2: Yeah, that what that officer did was that was crazy outrageous. I sue police all the time. That is among the most egregious conduct I've ever seen. Um, so what happened here is that he apparently lost the criminal lawsuit by losing the criminal lawsuit. Uh, lawsuit, he had that conviction. Uh, But that was probably done because that was the local community. The local community uh, ramrodded this guy. And this happened so many times in the South, in the civil rights South, where you would get uh, black people and black sympathizers uh, who get criminally prosecuted in these local communities because they were all racists. Same thing happened here. And so after he lost that case, then he went to what we would say is the adult in the room. They went to the federal courts and said this was outrageous this is what happened and then as you correctly said the county settled the case they didn't have a claim Uh, i've heard about this case before i did not see the video if i saw that video i would be filing a lawsuit the next day outrageous
1: we've got another caller annie in sherman oaks your question or thought for our panel on how to end discrimination against vegans
5: all right thank you so much everyone you're all heroes love you all keep on fighting so I want to know, what can we do as all of your forces united? And is there a possibility to say this is more than just ethical living? This is environmental, planetary problem, too, because we know the connection of animal agriculture, To And our stance is about protecting the animals, of course, and the environment and the humans. What do you think?
1: Well, I think it's an excellent question, and I want to back that up by Showing this recent New York Times article, which should have been headlines on every major news network, but was completely ignored, which is one of the reasons we started Unshamed TV, the world's only free nonprofit vegan streaming network. And we urge you to download our streaming network um, to be part of the solution. But here it says... Researchers examined the diets of 55,500 people and found that vegans are responsible for 75% less in greenhouse gases than meat eaters. If you just rewrite that sentence, what that's saying is that if all the meat eaters on the planet, which is the vast majority of humans, uh, simply eliminated meat and dairy, Everybody could reduce their greenhouse gas emissions by 75%, essentially solving the climate crisis. So, not only is this discrimination against vegans just unfair, it is self sabotage for the entire human race because obviously we are in the very, very first stages of a climate crisis that is just going to become absolutely unimaginable. Is there any way? Dr. Rowley, that that issue can be raised in court, that, that, that there are many valid reasons for uh, veganism, not just a personal preference like I prefer pink lipstick, but that this is really a crucial issue that, that affects everybody.
3: Absolutely. Um, um, in the UK, we have a protected philosophical belief in the urgent need to cut carbon emissions, So so certainly people can bring their beliefs to democracy uh, and have them assessed in a court. But I I want to say something that I think is very important. Uh, The United Nations Committee on the Rights of the Child have recently published a general comment, 26, which is authoritative guidance for states. And what this guidance is about is a children's rights approach to the environment with an emphasis on climate change. And basically what this, this guidance does is give children the right to their voice and adults and states have got to listen. And it requires governments to provide child friendly, age appropriate information about sustainable lifestyles, which obviously refers to veganism. Um, And, you know, to teach children about the environment with a particular focus on uh, the environment and climate, the climate emergency and listen to children's views and actually act upon uh, what they want. So this is, this is another important thing that we can, you know, get, get going in every society.
1: Unbelievable that we are providing essentially a solution to so many of the world's problems. And instead of being embraced, uh, we're discriminated against. And I think we've all experienced it. I can't say that I've experienced workplace discrimination, Um But I could say on a cultural level, on a social level, I've certainly experienced discrimination. One of the most um, obvious and just almost hilarious examples is when many years ago I went to a party and the hosts were upset that they had to provide vegan food, uh, they felt, to the one vegan there. And I walked in and they had just... a a stinking plate of old broccoli and they almost threw it at me. And I, I actually had to laugh because, you know, laugh or cry, I just couldn't believe that was their reaction. And then I turned around and I saw all these dead animals on the plate, on the plates on just just a spread of carcasses. And I thought, oh, my gosh, we've got our work cut out for us. So we're going to take a short break here on Voice America Radio. But we're going to stay live on all of our unchained TV platforms. And I'm going to take this opportunity as we go to break to tell you about them.
2: follow voice america at facebook.com forward slash voice america for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts
0: get unchained tune in every wednesday for unchained tv on the voice america variety channel featuring nationally recognized best-selling author tv journalist and the founder of the unchained tv free streaming network jane velez mitchell This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Unchained TV, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
2: Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device
0: are listening to unchained tv to reach the show today call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email in to jane at UnchainedTV.com. now back to the show
1: we are talking about how to end discrimination against vegans. And it's becoming more and more clear that a really good way is to go to court. And um, I would say our star of the day is Astrid, who is coming to us from France. I believe Paris. And Astrid is suing right now because she is trying to become a dietitian, And the school, which shall remain nameless... Um, but it's in France, has said, no, if you don't work with dead animals, their body parts and their excretions, you cannot become a dietician. What has been the reaction of your colleagues, those who are also attending, your friends and your family to your courageous decision to sue Astrid?
4: Well, actually, i just like to correct. It's not just the school. It's the whole education system in France. It's not the school that decided that I didn't have the right to cook with vegan ingredients. It's the education system. So it's them I'm suing, actually. <clears throat> and the reactions, well, there was um, a lot of different reactions. Most of my vegan friends totally supported me, and they are still very supportive uh, there are like not a lot, but there are some dietitians and as- aspiring dietitians who are vegetarians or vegans. But usually they don't do this. They just um, they do what they are told to do on the day of the exam and think to themselves, "Okay, I become a dietitian and then I can do whatever I want." But usually they don't say anything, and I just couldn't do this. Well, but they are very supportive of me, actually.
1: First of all, I think what you're doing is extraordinary because you are really moving the needle forward. I can tell you that I know kids, kids, young people going to veterinary school, veterinary school, they're experiencing the same kind of discrimination. They are told they have to do experiments on animals in medical school as well, um, I mean, PCRM, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, was founded by Dr. Neil Barnard, who made headlines when he said, no, I'm not going to do a vivisection. I'm not going to dissect. And uh, then some other students said, you know, I don't want to do it either. So where are we as a culture, Tamara? I mean, you are a uh, employment rights expert. Where are we when it comes to a cultural change uh, where all these institutions realize this is barbaric and it's medieval.
5: Well, in some places we're further forward and in other places, we've got a long way to go. And unfortunately, you know, given um, the topic for today, this discrimination is, as you've said, Jane, very widespread and it takes so many different guises. Um, we we're talking specifically about, employment discrimination um here but there are also cases where uh students um children are not allowed to eat vegan food that they've uh, brought from home or drink vegan milk um there are cases where a non-vegan parent um is saying that they should have that they should get the child because the vegan parent is um, somehow endangering the child's health. There, there are all, whether it's in family law or um, in an academic setting, and, and as you've seen as well and showed uh, with Curtis in the First Amendment setting, there's a lot of discrimination and it, it can take many forms. Um, and um, it's something that a tremendous amount of, of uh, people are, are fighting against. And we need more. (laughs) We need more.
1: And then there's discrimination in the courtroom. And I want to go to what's happening in the Sonoma County trial of Wayne Shung right now, uh, because it's truly raising eyebrows. Uh, He is charged with trespass and conspiracy to trespass uh, in a trial ongoing right now in Sonoma County. And he is the co-founder of Direct Action Everywhere and considered the uh, basically founder of and the leader of the open rescue movement, which is based on the legal notion that just like you would be hailed a hero for breaking a car window to get a dog or a child or an older person or whoever was suffering inside that car that they have the legal right to go in and rescue suffering animals from animal factories. And so the prosecution has been overheard allegedly saying we want to cut the head off the snake of this movement by prosecuting this guy. Now the judge has um, actually barred him from talking to the media gag order he is representing himself because he's a former constitutional law professor so he can't speak either as a witness or as his attorney or as the defendant then the judge the same judge grabbed a sketch out of this sketch artist's hand and then said apply officially and when she did the court said the judge said she is not permitted to sketch prosecutors, witnesses, the judge, the court staff, the jurors, the bailiffs, or the observers in the gallery. <clears throat> now, since Wayne's representing himself, that would include, he would probably take the stand in his own defense quite possibly. So he, she can't sketch anybody. Uh, by the way, this is the judge who is making these decisions. She is a former prosecutor herself. So undoubtedly, she's, um, it's very possible, worked with the very people who are prosecuting wayne when she was back when she was a prosecutor so i mean to me um and we're covering this case here at unchained tv uh on a regular basis uh to me that is it appears to me that that is discrimination in the courtroom what say you a jerry friedman as a california attorney
2: well it is discrimination in the courtroom unfortunately judges have a lot of control in their courtroom. They have a lot of control. They can't do everything, but they can do a lot of things. They can enforce dress codes, for example, until it gets to the point of discrimination. So I think what this judge has done is wrong. I don't know if the courts, uh, any uh, courts that hear the case would agree with that or not. I mean, Mr. Chung is being uh, treated like a he's uh, involved in the, in the mafia, which obviously he's not. It's ridiculous. Um, it is discrimination plain and simple.
1: So I think what we're establishing here is that (laughs) there's discrimination in the workplace. There's discrimination in schools. There's discrimination in the courtroom. There's discrimination in, you know, all aspects of society. There was a recent case. I don't know if you heard about it, where a restaurateur said no more vegans in my restaurant. So when we look back at history and, um, other social justice movements, um, obviously civil rights and women's rights. Uh, It's very, very similar, the trajectory and uh, where women were dismissed, ridiculed, and then um, kept out of, I'm just using that as an example. And you had mentioned the civil rights movement. I mean, there seems to be sort of an arc to this story of discrimination And it could be summed up, Tamara, first they ignore you, then they ridicule you, then they get angry at you, and then they join you. Where are we on this arc?
5: They're ridiculing and fighting back. I mean, I I wanted to mention when you went down the litany of all the different places where there's discrimination, there's also discrimination against vegans in hospitals, Where uh, vegans are not getting hospital, you know, in in a hospital are not getting vegan food. And there's um, an infamous case, I would say, that's going now through the European uh, Court of Human Rights, um, where a young activist was imprisoned for over 11 months and did not get vegan food while in detention. So um, yeah, places like hospitals, places like prison, there's discrimination there uh, as well. You mentioned the firefighter in Canada. One of the things that we should all be cognizant of is when, when armies of firefighters are close to a forest fire. They're not going home to eat what they want. They are, they are sequestered, they're in a camp, and they are entirely dependent on what they are being fed. They don't have the option to um, provide for themselves. And in the case of this particular gentleman, he did manage to go and get fruit and vegetables. He did manage to get tofu. He delivered those to the people in charge of the kitchen and all of the food that he um, managed to get during the six hours or eight hours that he wasn't actively fighting a blaze, that food disappeared. On one occasion, he was given a single black bean for protein—a single black bean. It was a joke. Um, they thought it was funny. They ridiculed him. The gentleman in in Geneva, Switzerland, who is taking his case to the European Court of Human Rights, he was also ridiculed while in detention for those 11 months because there was nothing that he could eat besides bread. So I think we're in the early chapters of this fight.
1: Well, but the problem is that, uh, you know, we're running out of time. We're barreling toward a climate apocalypse and we really need people to understand that what we are suggesting isn't uh, a form of annoyance toward them it's really trying to help them and everybody else because food is not a personal choice. I mean, of course it's a personal choice. Everything's a personal choice. Whether I walk my dogs in the morning or brush my teeth is a personal choice, but it's more than that because it's impacting so many things. I mean, uh, you can make a very serious argument that a plant-based diet is a solution to the climate crisis, to habitat destruction, wildlife extinction, human world hunger. And human disease, as well as ocean desertification, drought, water pollution. The list goes on and on and on. Even depression. There was just a new study out showing that uh, fast food is connected to depression. Well, what is fast food primarily? It's meat, dairy. It's, you know, cheeseburger and a shake. It's meat and dairy. So almost all of our societal problems Uh, Not to mention being numbed to violence because for anybody to eat an animal on on some level, they're aware that an animal died, even though we don't want to think about that. There was a big story uh, recently where a woman started screaming. She was in a fast food joint and she opened her sandwich and there was a nipple on the deli slice and she screamed. And well, where did she think that deli slice came from? So there is this real desire to try to separate um, the animals being consumed from the knowledge that they're animals, but everybody knows on some level. And so that also contributes to uh, a sense of dis-ease, emotional dis-ease. So, I mean, it really is so extraordinary that um, we are trying to help people solve all these pressing problems, and instead of being embraced we are discriminated against. So um, I know Astrid, you had some thoughts about uh, prison. Uh, you are filing a suit because of your battle to become a dietitian in France and how you're basically saying, no, I don't want to work with dead animals, uh, their body parts or their excretions. But you had some thoughts on the prison issue.
4: Yes, totally. Well, actually, it's someone I know who uh, is in this case. It's a friend of a friend, and I also know his lawyer. And this case is actually a game changer. It's really what Jerry said earlier. It's you have to lose to try to win because he lost his case in front of uh, Switzerland's court. Uh, Switzerland said it's not our matter. We we don't we can't judge if it was. Will- was fair or not that he didn't have any vegan food in prison. So him and his lawyer decided to bring this case to the human, uh, to the the European court of human.
1: We lost her for a second. So um, we, we lost Astrid when we get her back, she's frozen in time. Um, But yeah, I think that let me ask about the rising number of court cases. Like, I mean, I have actually never sued anybody. When I was a kid, there was a car accident. My parents sued for me and it was like a you know, car accident thing. But aside from that, I've never sued anybody. I, I, I would like to never sue anybody. But um, it's taking that step, that leap, uh, Dr. Rowley, that is really what, what the game changer is, Correct.
3: Uh, yes, absolutely, but I, I, I think I see things from a different point of view because the the European Court of Human Rights has already protected veganism in 1993, and that case lay dormant until around 2010 and 11, when the campaign for vegan rights got off the ground in in the in England. Um, uh, the Human Rights Committee have already said that uh, the right to freedom of conscience includes a belief, and the European Court have already said that. A, that uh, convictions equals belief um, within the meaning of the human right freedom of conscience. So we have a we have a little um, connection with these concepts, and they protected veganism in 1993, uh, which which is uh, directly applicable in England, and you know it should be uh, regarded as the standard across Europe. So we do have a precedent at the European Court of Human Rights anyway. Um, now, because that case wasn't really talked about at all, it just, you know, it was just gathering dust. Since it's been raised in 2010 and it's been promoted and the use of Article 9 has been promoted, I've seen a lot of changes. I've seen a lot of policy changes. And the reason the Casamayana case was won was because we have this president um, at the European Court of Human Rights because our legislation is linked directly to Article 9.
1: Okay. Well, it is a complicated subject and it's a lot to absorb. Um, I just wonder what about, we only have two minutes. Um, let me just go to final thoughts. I want everybody to have their chance to really stay. What is the most important issue here? Let's start with Tamara
5: and unmute. Um, the most important issue. Wow. Well, thanks for starting with me, Jane. Um, I, I, there are so many issues. (laughs) I think that, I think that we really must win. I mean, it's, it's not just about individual victories for individual vegans. It's not even about a, a victory in court that will help your friends as well. But it's also about, as you've said, saving the planet. It's also about 9 billion and land, uh, land animals that will not be slaughtered. It's also about greenhouse gases and, and emissions and climate change. And what kind of world are we leaving for the children? It's also about extinction and raising um, rainforests. So all of these things are very closely linked to the choices that we as individuals make. And I would encourage everybody to really think about what you can control and there are so many things that we cannot but what we choose to eat what we choose to put in our mouths is definitely something that we can control so let's start there thank
2: you jerry your final thoughts final thoughts is all of the great problems of the world today are all linked to veganism and veganism has a solution even war even socrates said thousands of years ago that nations will go to war over competition for land why do they need land because they need more land to graze cattle Every issue. Uh, So fundamentally, look, this is a movement of conscience. This is a movement of nonviolence. This is a movement to let non-human animals live the lives that they want to, the way that they want to live and not the way that we want them to live. Just like we want the right to live our lives the way that we want to live. It's a movement of conscience. It'll fix all the world's great problems. Veganism is the way to go.
1: Thank you so much, Jerry. And I uh, applaud everybody for being a part of this amazing panel. We are going to end the Voice America radio broadcast because we're out of time, but we're going to stay on to get the final thoughts from Jeanette. Thank you. Uh, First of all, thank you, Voice America.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Unchained TV. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.